Welcome into the Full Tilt Devi podcast on the Full Tilt Podcast Network. It, now for your host, Mr. John Arrington and Andy Starr. Oh, what's up, guys? I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A, joined as always by Andy at A Star FF on Twitter. And we're back. Uh, we skipped a couple weeks. Uh, you know, we had some, or actually, or I guess we skipped a week. Uh, so had Thanksgiving break. Hopefully everyone had a great time with their families and uh, friends and didn't get into too many fights and everything and got to watch a lot of good football, whether it was NFL, college and everything in between. But today we have a lot of news. We have a lot of transfer stuff going on, but we're not going to get into that one just yet because I feel like we have a lot of players that are still going to be jumping into all that. Uh, but we have like a, a coaching carousel going on right now, uh, some major changes. Obviously, it's that time of year, uh, so why don't we dive into that? But first, let me ask you how you're doing, Andy. I'm doing well, and it's good to be back. Yeah, it was nice to have that Thanksgiving break. I went to go watch the Red Wings last week win. They're actually looking all right this year, so that's nice. And football was great this weekend, including football uh, of the other kind, uh, America, moving on in the World Cup, knockout stages, let's go. No so, soccer talk. No soccer talk. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was a football podcast. <laughs> it, it, it is the good kind of football podcast. All right. That's true. But yeah, no, overall, it's great. It's good to be back. And I'm, yeah, like excited to start talking about this college football playoff and discuss, you know, the season as a whole. It's been fun so far. It's been kind of wild. Um, you know, we even talked a, a couple pods ago how you know, Alabama was out of it and all that kind of stuff. And they're kind of creeping back up to where people are saying they might even have a shot to get back into the playoffs, which is pretty wild, all things considered. But uh, that kind of shows you the kind of year that we've had and also shows why I think things are going to be so much better once we get to the actual, you know, like the, the expanded playoffs and everything. I think, you know, it'll get rid of all this crap of, oh, this team should have been and that team should have been in, like that kind of thing. Everyone's going to get their shot. Everybody will be happy except for the, uh, what is it going to be? The the 13th team. They'll be pissed that they didn't get in, but everyone else will be happy. <laughs> yeah. No, Lucas and I were talking about it backstage too. And like, as it stands right now with the top four teams, you know, you got Georgia, Michigan, who are obviously going to be in it. TCU undefeated. They should be in it. And USC, who just has the one loss to uh, Utah earlier in the year on the road, like those teams all deserve a chance. And, you know, it, they have to go and play another game this this week, and the, to think that one of them could lose a game that you know the other teams don't have to play, and that's going to hurt them. And a team like Ohio State, who just got the doors blown off them at home by Michigan, could just sneak into the playoffs by sitting on their hands this weekend. I don't think that's right. So, and similarly with uh, Alabama, two loss team. We've already seen them lose to Tennessee and LSU. We don't need to see him back in the playoff against Georgia. Um, let's give these other teams a chance. USC and TCU, we haven't seen them play any of these elite schools yet. Um, so I feel like that's what the playoff should be. I know that won't be the case if there's a loss this week, but I really feel like that's how it should go. No, I agree. And, you know, they've, they've earned it for sure. And, you know, Bama has not. They've just, from day one, Bama has not looked right. The offense just wasn't ever clicking. Their defense wasn't quite as like 
stout as it normally is and all that. But enough about Bama. <laughs> Let's get into some of these other teams. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of coaching changes going on uh, right now. Probably the the biggest and the first one, I don't know, I guess depending on how you want to look at things, but uh, like the one that everyone was saying, like who the hell is going to go to Nebraska? Uh, you know, there was talks of Urban Meyer going over there. There was uh, you know, a lot of other names thrown in the mix, but here we are with Matt Rule uh, after a massive failure in the NFL uh, coming back to college. You know, but we've seen plenty of college coaches that just can't quite hack it in the NFL, you know, whether it's they can't get over, you know, the certain things they learned in college or whatever it might be. Uh, they don't know how to talk to full grown men instead of, you know, instead of college kids like that kind of thing. But for whatever reason, rule didn't work out there. But do you think he's going to work out at Nebraska? Uh, it's it's a little tricky. So, yeah, he had a disappointing two seasons in the NFL. But obviously, we're not going to forget what he did for Baylor. Um, Baylor was obviously almost left for dead after Art Bryles and company set the program on fire with their abuse scandal and everything that was going on back in 2016. Um, but yeah, Rule comes in in 2017, understandably had a rough year, year one. But then by his third year in at Baylor, he's in the Sugar Bowl. Um, and Nebraska's historically kind of like a hard-nosed running team, which rule has kind of indicated in his press conferences that establishing the run is going to be one of his priorities uh, as well as player development. I think that player development is where rule does set himself apart. Um, he does more with less than a lot of coaches. Um, I mean, if you look at his Baylor team, it, his, his best playmaker was Denzel Mims, who was obviously a great college player, but uh, his quarterback was Charlie Brewer, who couldn't even get on the field for Liberty in his 14th seasons of, of playing college football this season. Um, if I'm a Nebraska fan, I think I am happy for this hire uh, just because I think it gives you a better shot to win games. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get excited as from a Debbie perspective, because typically, uh, you know, you know, we don't have a big sample size with rule, but he really hasn't produced any like elite NFL talent from his college rosters. Um, but, you know, that's something that can certainly change. Um, you know, in an instant as well. But for, as a, as a Nebraska fan, which I'm not, but if I was, I would be happy because I think they are, they do become a better team. Uh, one of my good friends, Levi Valentine is a big Nebraska fan and he's pretty damn happy. Like obviously he wanted urban Meyer, which sounds crazy, but you know, when you think kind of the same thing, like failed uh, NFL coach, but you know, we know for a fact that he wins when he, in, in college and stuff. And so he was, perfectly fine you know dealing with all the crap that he would have had to dealt with but you know to get urban but that didn't work out um but i feel like it's kind of the same thing with matt rule like it just he's he's very happy he thinks that you know it's going to be good things and it, you know honestly it cannot get much worse so i guess uh when it's all said and done you know worst case scenario they'll be doing exactly the same thing they've been doing for like a decade <laughs> right exactly so and nebraska's like one of those big powerhouse schools from 20 years ago so I think anything that can get teams like that back on the map is a good move. So we'll see what happens, but I like it for, for Nebraska in the short term, at least. I agree. All right. So the second one is Luke fickle going to Wisconsin. You're, you know, I'm, I'm guessing you're pretty excited about this one. On Wisconsin, my Badgers. I didn't think they had a shot in hell at getting Luke fickle. When those reports came, I was just like, Luke Fickle, okay, he's been holding out for Ohio State or Michigan or all these, you know, big name jobs. 
And why would he go to Wisconsin? Who is just, you know, Wisconsin is the same. You could put anybody at Wisconsin. Like they're going to do 350 pound offensive linemen and just get two dynamic backs and pound the ball 50 times a game. Um, but I really feel like Wisconsin and credit to Barry Elver as our athletic director for finally getting out of their box and trying to bring uh, their offense into this century. Um, and yeah, as a fan, I'm absolutely here for it. So Fickle, for what it's worth, is a defensive coach uh, first and foremost, but his teams have all been well-rounded offensively. Um, obviously, he's the first coach to take a group of five conference school to the playoff. Um Last year, the 2021 Cincinnati team had Desmond Ritter, Jerome Ford, and Alec Pierce. All of them were draft picks last spring. And this year, they've got Tyler Scott, their leading receiver, who's a guy I could see a team falling in love with just because he's super fast and athletic. Um, But yeah, Wisconsin, like I said, recruiting massive O-linemen, pounding the rock. It remains to be seen who the offensive coordinator hire is going to be there. Uh, I think we can surmise that Wisconsin will be leaning more to a balanced approach moving forward. Um, And the best part is I don't think they need to change much of how they recruit. Like they can still get those massive O linemen in state uh, and bringing in fickle gives them a name to lure in some of those four and five star guys that probably wouldn't, you know, normally consider Wisconsin as a destination that they'd want to go to uh, unless you're like an O lineman or or a running back. So I love the hire for my Badgers. Um, It's a pretty weak division the big 10 West Um, obviously Nebraska is getting better. We're getting better. Minnesota, you know, they, they seem to be decent all all the time. Iowa seems like they might be following off a bit, but somebody needs to rise at the top on that side of the conference. And, you know, I think with this hire, it definitely gives the Badgers a bit of an edge. Yeah. I like it a lot. Uh, I know there's been rumors of Braylon Allen possibly transferring out. Do you think that that squashes all of that? (laughs) It's hard to say because anytime there's a coaching change, you know, you never know what's going through a player's mind because he went to a school thinking one thing and now, you know, a new guy's coming in who you don't even know. But I think a a name like Fickle, like if you're a football player, you know who that is and you know, like that means a lot. So I, I think if you're going to stay, you're going to stay because you believe in Fickle. So um, I think he stays personally, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, like I said, we're going to have a lot to talk about when it comes to that transfer portal uh, here in in probably a couple weeks or so. Uh, And then the last one is Hugh Freeze going to Auburn. Uh, Another one where just there were so many names thrown out of who it could possibly be. I mean, I guess that's probably like the normal, the the norm for, uh, you know, all these teams is, you know, whenever there's a vacancy, uh, you know, it's just you start hearing name after name after name. But uh, I honestly don't know a lot about Hugh Freeze, but I, from the little bit of that I've heard, uh, there, there's some scandalous stuff that's happened in the past and, and, uh, and everything. And so, uh, do, do you think the team can, I mean, clearly the team thinks that they can move past that and, uh, you know, get back to football. Do you think that's the case? Um, yeah, I do think it is the case, but yeah, <laughs> Hugh Freeze has a, a little, uh, problem with messaging hookers and doing a few other not so savory things, but you know, speaking purely from a football perspective, he does come back to the SEC where he's previously the coach at Ole Miss from 2012 to 16. Uh, most recently, he was he's been at Liberty since 2019, where he amassed a 34 and 15 record, four straight bowl appearances, 
three and zero in all the bowls that he's played in so far or coached in so far. Um, NFL fans are probably going to hear Liberty head coach and immediately associate him with Malik Willis, which I think is fair. He did help orchestrate Willis's transfer from Auburn, ironically, uh, and develop him in that offense. But I think the bigger feather in Freeze's proverbial cap is his ability to identify and develop wide receivers. Um, at Ole Miss, he was he oversaw Laquan Treadwell, who obviously got drafted in the first round. Um, obviously, that didn't quite work out in the NFL, but he was a first round draft pick, so I know that you know it's got to mean something. But more importantly, he recruited, you know, NFL studs DK Metcalf and AJ Brown in his last recruiting class in 2016. Um, at Liberty, obviously, is more of the Malik Willis first offense, uh, but he did have Demario Douglas there, who looked decent this year, um, and early on at Liberty, if you remember this name, Antonio Gandy Golden, another wide receiver, everyone's favorite fourth round rookie pick from 2020. Oh um, man, he got some hype in the rookie drafts. <laughs> oh my god! Like, so that's or at least another... before. I don't remember if it was during the rookie drafts or if it was like before the NFL draft. But I, just, I remember him getting some hype before he went to Washington, right? Yeah, he, he went to Washington. Gandy Golden. Yeah, everyone thought he was going to be a thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was another Hugh Freeze uh, wide receiver. Um, so I like what it mean could possibly mean for the Auburn wide receiver room which historically like what we've talked about with Nebraska and Wisconsin, like Auburn has been a run first team. Like I can't think of a wide receiver that they've ever put in the NFL. So I do like it uh, um, from an offensive standpoint. I think uh, it does diversify the offense a little bit. And also Auburn has to look at like what he did when he was with Ole Miss, when he was there, he beat Alabama two years in a row. I think all Auburn really cares about is beating Alabama. So if, if they get a guy who can do that, like he could be a serial killer. I don't think they care. You know, they just want to beat Alabama. So I think it's a decent hire from a football perspective. We won't, I won't uh, give my opinions on the morality of it all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I guess that's the, the major ones that, uh, that we have so far. I'm sure there'll be some other ones that we'll talk about. Uh, yeah. Will Levis declared, uh, I, we were talking about it before, like we don't really know why. I mean, I guess we do know why because somebody, whether it's scouts or uh, NFL experts or, or draft experts or whatever, like somebody is telling him that he's going to get a you know first round draft capital. And so, no, we cannot talk about baseball or soccer. Um, but uh, you know, like he's going to somebody's telling him he's going to get first round draft capital, and he very well may. I mean, we've seen much worse. Uh, you know, first round picks. So like, it wouldn't blow my mind or anything like that. Uh, but we've also, you know, we were talking before we jumped on here, how it doesn't really matter. Like we don't think he's a good player. So, you know, I can promise you, I will have zero Will Levis, even if he's drafted at one Oh one in the NFL draft, I will not have a single Will Levis on my teams unless somebody drops him once they realize he's terrible. And I'm like, ah, I'll take him for free off the waivers. Yeah. And kind of like what we were talking about backstage, it's just like, what other choice does he have? He's just been piped up as his first round pick all year long, all maybe the better part of two years. Um, so going back, isn't going to do him anything. Like he's not going to go back and be any worse, like, or be any better. So it's just a matter of, you know, just cashing in right now while the, while the, uh, you know, the getting's good and see if you can 
maybe trick a team into drafting you, which it sounds like he might, but maybe he won't. Everyone thought Malik Willis and Sam Howell and all these guys are going to be first round picks last year. And that obviously didn't come to fruition either. So we'll see what happens come April. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know if it was just a blip and last year was cr- kind of crazy where like the teams were like, yeah, we're just not going to draft any QBs, you know, <laughs> like uh, the Steelers drafted Pickett, and you know, that they might, might be seeing that as a mistake now, who knows, but you know, like the rest of the teams were just like, yeah, we're not going to take them. So is it a blip? Is it going to continue? I guess we'll have to wait and see, you know, I, if it's like the new norm where these guys keep getting t- hyped up for, you know, like first round draft capital, and then they go in like the fourth round, then these QBs, QBs might start staying until their fifth year, you know? Yeah, why not? Especially with like NIL money on the table, like might as well get a couple million while you still can. <laughs> if you're just going to end up being drafted in the fifth round, like Sam Howell, God, why did that happen? <laughs> I, I, I still, it, it makes no sense. Um, I guess it makes sense why he's not playing right now because like they think that they have a shot and I guess technically they do, but I'm like, yeah, come on, guys. You know, that's just a coach trying to keep his job. But uh, Sam Howell should be on the field. Like Tanner, Taylor Heineke is terrible, and yet <laughs> he keeps getting to play uh, for whatever damn reason. So uh, we were talking about the college football playoffs a little bit. You, you kind of discussed who you, you know, what you think is going to happen. But are are there any like uh, any, any surprises that you see coming? You know, that, that might switch it up. And who do you think are going to be the the final four when it's all said and done? Uh, so if anything happens this weekend, I think the most likely scenario of something crazy happening is, uh, TCU falling to Kansas state. Kansas state has looked a whole lot better, uh, with Will Howard as their quarterback, uh, as compared to Adrian Martinez. Uh, they've obviously got Deuce Vaughn, who's a super dynamic college football player. Um, so if that happens and TCU loses, the committee's going to have a real interesting time figuring out who the fourth team is because you're either going to put Ohio State in, who got embarrassed at home last week by a team that's already in the playoff. You're, you're going to put two-loss Bama team in, who there's never been a two-loss team in the college football playoff. Or you're going to – I mean, I, I guess that's really the only other options other than to put keep TCU in, which is what I think should happen. Um, so – if it were up to me, that's that's what would be my playoff as, as it stands today. One, Georgia. Two, Michigan. Three, TCU. And four, USC. Is there any actual reason for them to put out the full list of, of 25 rankings? Is it just because like that's what they always do? It's the top 25? Uh, because it's not like... Like even like Kansas State, if they if they win this week, like they're not going to jump into the playoffs or anything. Like, is there any other reason, or is it just like that's the norm? Like they've always done like the top twenty five ranked yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's just because our minds have just been conditioned to have twenty five teams ranked for college sports. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to make sure because I'm like, <laughs> it's like I said, like it's not like all of a sudden you know Clemson's going to jump up in there, or, you know, like one of these other teams. Um, you right. know, so really, it's it's Ohio State or Alabama that have like a small shot at getting in, and then uh, otherwise it's going to be those four, right? And I think it should be those four. Like we don't need to see any more Alabama or Ohio State. They've already shown us that they can't; they're not good enough. So move on from them. <laughs> right now, Ohio State doesn't have a game. Um, do we know who, who does Bama play? Do we know? Bama doesn't either. So it's going oh they to don't be, have a game okay so they're not yeah they're yeah, not in the championship 
Right. And that's the other thing. It's like these other teams are actually playing for something. So you, you, you can't just let some other teams back into the playoff while these other teams are actually playing meaningful games. Right. Yeah. Now. That, that'd be terrible. I, I don't know how they could possibly do that. That'd be, that'd be pretty wild. But I know we've talked about that in the past, like in past years, or at least I've heard about, it. we haven't talked about it, but like I've heard about, uh, you know, like teams talking about that, like how does, uh, you know, how does Ohio state, you know, not have to play for a championship, but yet these other teams do and, and things like that. Yeah. No, I know that was a big thing during the 2020 season too. Like Ohio state barely had to play any games and then yeah, got they in, were just but like giving it <laughs> basically. Uh, Andy is making many excellent points. That That is very true. He, uh, that's what he does. And Part for the if, course, if you want to hear, if you want to hear more of his excellent points, make sure you're checking out the Debbie recap uh, every week. I believe it comes out on Tuesdays. It does Tuesday morning. And uh, yeah, check that out either on the pod form or on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and do all that kind of good stuff. So you can check all everything else that's going out here. Um, and the whole uh, Full Tilt Dynasty podcast network. But why don't we go ahead and take a little break, and then we will get back and do our 2022 year in review. With the number one pick, I am taking still Brees Hall. Yeah, I I don't think that doesn't surprise uh, most people. Yeah, he's extremely young. He's extremely talented. He's on a team that clearly wants to use him. Even if he comes back next year and he's 80% of who he was this year, I think he's an RB1. And when he comes back fully healthy after year two, if we assume that's what's going to happen, he's still going to be younger than Najee Harris when he was drafted. (laughs) So, I mean, Brees Hall still has such a long career ahead of him. I'm so happy to take him here, number one. I listened to that podcast today uh, while I was working and uh, it's a good one. Definitely go check it out. Um, There was some good information on there, but I swear there was a couple points that they made that had me tilting my ass off. (laughs) Uh, I think one of them was that they were talking about Chris Olave and, and how, you know, like they, they're still not sure that they're going to, you know, go after these uh, fourth year guys, you know, seniors and stuff like that, just because of Chris Olave. And I'm like, well, it's not just Chris Olave. There's a lot of other players. Like, <laughs> Stop worrying so much about early declare and non-early declare. <laughs> Let's just w- worry about the good players. I, it used to matter more, I feel like. But yeah, now it's just, it seems like, uh, you know, the I feel like COVID, COVID changed everything because then everyone just stayed and, you know, and there's, you know, yeah, of course, they're still going to be early declares, but you know, just because somebody came out year three doesn't make them better than a year four player when the year four player is an absolute stud from Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I got to listen to that podcast because I saw the what they were doing, and obviously that's interesting to me. I love hearing. It was no, like I said, it was a, it was a good podcast. There was definitely a lot of good uh, discussion and everything, uh, but there was a couple things. I, I ended up sliding to the uh, Tommy T's DMs, and and we got into an argument for about three hours uh, because of it. So that was fun. Jesus. <laughs> you guys got too much time uh, we, on we your all, hands. <laughs> we do. I, I I was bored. Uh, I was bored at work. But <laughs> uh, so uh, our main event today is going to be uh, talking about the 2022 season. Uh, our hits and misses, uh, you know, whether we're right or wrong on a player being good or, or you know, a player being bad, uh, you know, so we can 
we can take some victory laps. We can also hide behind our computer desks and, and all that for the, the bad ones. Um, but you know, there was definitely some good ones, but why don't we start with the, the shitty takes, the, the bad takes, and what was your biggest miss? Uh, somebody, you know, that just, what somebody was, uh, bad or s- someone that you thought was going to be good and it ended up being bad, I should say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So for me, this one was easy. Um, and it's Cameron Ward from Washington state. I had him in my preseason top 10 quarterbacks. Uh, I'll be the first to admit it was bad process. <laughs> uh, I'm not the only analyst to fall prey to it, but uh, we all sort of wanted to capture that Bailey Zappi magic from a couple seasons ago and then transpose it onto a Power 5 conference team, uh, and that simply just did not happen. Uh, he started off bad, and he didn't get much better. Finished the season with less than seven yards per attempt, uh, only 23 touchdowns to eight, touchdown, or eight interceptions. Also had eight fumbles. QBR was not good at 60.5, still better than Will Levis, but not good. Um, And it was just a tough season, and the step up from the FCS to Power 5 may have been too big. But I think I learned now that I shouldn't just look at raw numbers from the FCS and (laughs) think that it can just automatically happen (laughs) in in the Power 5 conference. Now, you know, Bailey Zappi's not unheard of. I don't, I think that's still a possibility that you can go from the FCS and still dominate in the Sun Belt. But uh, I will definitely be more trepidatious in thinking that just because a guy dominated at Incarnate Word, he's all of a sudden an NFL draft, <laughs> you know, candidate. <laughs> so I learned something. Yeah, he was, so did he, I really he was miss one that I was? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, as long as you learn, I guess, <laughs> you can't really miss. Um, and it's that was the lessons we learned along the way. That was another thing that me and Tommy T were arguing about. We're going to have to do a pod with the three of us and, and we can really get into it. Cause uh, you know, I, I was trying to say, you know, like better process. And, and, and he was like, no results, results, results. I'm like, no, let's worry. Let's worry about the process, baby. But um, you know, with, with Ward, I was, I was fine missing on him. Like if he, you know, if he was going to hit, like people started getting really hyped, putting him into the top 10, you weren't the only one. And I was just, perfectly fine missing on him and what in CDC leagues and Debbie leagues, whatever, because it's such a huge jump going from FCS to, you know, to FBS. And I just didn't think it was going to work out and it didn't work out. And I mean, I was like, he very well could have worked out and I would have been wrong, but I just, he was one of those where I was like, you know what? It's such a huge jump. What are the odds that he's just going to be the stud uh, just because he did it at such a low level? So I, that one hurts, but if you learned your lesson, then, you know, I guess that's all that really matters. I did. <laughs> my, my big miss. Um, I mean, there's some, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like players that I was like really hyped on that ended up missing. I can't think of too, too many, but Jaden Reed, I was really high on um, going into the season. Uh, I, I think I told you, you know, at one point I had him in my top 20 wide receivers. So, you know, that's uh, pretty high. But it was all based off of that junior season he had. And, you know, he put up uh, 1,026 yards, 17.4 yards per reception, 10 touchdowns. Like everything looked great in his junior year. And then he comes back for a senior year. I know he dealt with some injuries and stuff. Um, I watched a couple of his games and he had some flashes and stuff, but he ended up with uh, playing 11 games, 636 yards, five touchdowns, just not what I was hoping for out of Jaden Reed. Um, not to say that he had some terrible year, but 
I mean, what are the odds that he gets drafted with any kind of like quality draft capital at this point? It, it doesn't seem very likely. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely was wrong for having him in my top 20. That's for damn sure. Yeah, definitely not the season we wanted for Jaden Reed. Um, I will say he's got, you know, top end speed, which is great. That's NFL teams are going to love it. And he got invited to the senior bowl and the senior bowl does wonders for draft stock. Now That's I'm not true. saying he's going to be a, a day two pick or anything, but I do think he's going to get drafted, you know, reasonably, you know, not maybe like early day three, just because he's, a, he's a special teamer at the very least. Like he's going to return kicks and uh, be a gunner on punt team or whatever. Um, so I think a team's going to want him just to, you know, have depth on their roster just because they can use him on special teams as well. And, you know, th- those are the type of guys that end up getting opportunities later in the season and maybe maybe he does hit. So, uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, like not top 20, but I'm not I'm not I still like Jaden Reed. I think he could still be something down the road. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely more about my ranking than even the player per se. <laughs> right. No. For All sure. right. Um, honestly, that, that off, the, off the top of my head, that was the best one that I could come up with. I, I'm sure there were some I know, you're, like, I, I, you're just too perfect. I, I, too, too good. I, too good. Yeah. Um, no, I, I drafted, I, I, did, I never really truly believed in Tyler Buckner, uh, but I drafted him fairly early in my C2C league uh, because there was like a, there's a major rushing component in that league. And I felt like he was going to be a rushing QB and, you know, get, get me a bunch of points that way. And so I guess technically that was a pretty big miss because I drafted him in the fourth round of, of my C2C and uh, that that one hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's where he was going. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I even kind of reached happen. on him a little bit. Like I felt like I, I had him as like a fifth or a sixth round pick, um, but I reached on him because of the scoring system in that league where uh, you only get one point for every 30 yards passing and it's only four yards for a pa- or four points for a passing touchdown, you know, compared to your normal rushing and all that. So it just really pushes up the rushing QBs. And so I was like, Oh, there's not that many left and I better go get Buckner. And yeah. That didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going to happen there because obviously he got hurt and was done for the year and Drew Pine's been okay. I don't know if he has to transfer now or what, so we'll see what happens, but he did not look good in the games that he was playing. That's for sure. All right. So uh, who was a big hit for you this year? Uh, you know, somebody that you were higher on than consensus. All right. So I think I had an obvious one here, but I'll let, I, I mean, maybe you're going to talk about it. So if you don't, then we'll just both talk about it. But this one, I'll, I'll just say, uh, and then you probably aren't going to like it. Uh, but Kenny McIntosh, who I was pounding the table for all off season. Uh, I thought he was the more complete back compared to Kendall Milton. And I was absolutely 100% correct. Uh, rushing, true. rushing stats, not popping off the page at you. Uh, but he did finish with a, a ridiculous 13% reception market share. Uh, he has the size to be kind of used as like that wide back in the NFL. He did run 12% of his routes from the slot and 8% uh, spread out wide. Has a positive A dot yards per route run at 2.4. And most importantly, I think, is he has that Georgia running back pedigree, which we've seen can get dudes drafted earlier than you would think. Uh, and we're looking directly at you, James Cook. Uh, so I don't think day two is out of the question for Kenny Mack, uh, but he will for sure be drafted and he will be utilized in the NFL on offense. And I like him as a potential second round dynasty rookie pick. And he's a guy. 
you know, I was basically getting for free in campus to Canton supplemental drafts last season. So big hit there for me, I think. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the player, but I get what you're saying. Like he, everyone and their mother, except for me and you apparently were uh, not, or we're all over Kendall Milton, like for the longest time, like he's going to be the stud, you know, he's the next big thing. But I think the problem is they were comparing him to Zamir white. Who's not the next big thing either. So, you know, that maybe that's uh, where the issue is, but I, I get what you're saying. Like he, uh, Macintosh was barely talked about and yet he's definitely been the better player. I mean, like people don't even talk about Kendall Milton anymore. Like that's just like, but at the beginning of the season, it was Milton, Milton, Milton. He's the RB five in the class and stuff like that. And, and now he's, you know, just completely gone and afterthought. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I will not be taking him in the second round of my rookie drafts, but no, I, I, I'm, I, but I'm, I, I could easily see him being a third round pick for me though. I mean, just the way the NFL is today, like you want that third down back in your PPR leagues because there's that's where the value's at. That, you know, I picture like a Rashad White type player, I think, you know, where he's going to be versatile and has the potential to be every down, but probably won't get there, you know, for a while, if at all. Yeah, I think White's a much better runner, though. Yeah, for uh, definitely. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but he, he could easily have a role in, in the NFL. So I, I like the pick. Um, so this one was a pretty easy answer for me, but I feel like I've talked about Drake May for you know the past three or four pods. So I'm not gonna talk about Drake May being my big hit, even though I was all over him. It makes me want to go back in. I, I don't know if I talked about it on this pod or not, but I created a high school uh quarterback model. And I put in all of their high school stats. Um, I had, uh, oh shit, what's her name? Uh, the diva of Debbie. I cannot think of her last name right now, but uh, uh, Flowers. Katie Flowers. Yeah, yeah, Katie Flowers. Thank you. I, I don't know why I just blanked on her name, but I, I had her help me. We, we put together this database with all of the high school stats of all like the big name QBs, all the, the prospects and everything from years and years and years. And I went through and I, I made this huge model and, and I put everything together and, and there was definitely some hits. And so I'm like, oh shit, this is actually working. But then I really started like looking at it and I'm like, wait, maybe it's not working. I don't know. But Drake May was in the top 10. The point, the whole point of the story is Drake May was in the top 10 of this model. And it was like 200 and something high school quarterbacks in this model. He was top 10 all time, uh, you know, however far back we went, like 10 years or whatever it was. And, uh, and so he, he truly stood out and you know, like, I don't know if the, that high school model really matters or like works or not, but he always stood out to me, you know, being a five-star prospect, you know, Bama wanted him, all that kind of stuff. I was all over him, but like I said, I've talked about him enough. That was probably even more than I should have. Uh, another player that I've talked about quite a bit is Blake Corum. And so <laughs> I that was my other one. Job. I was like, yeah, I think John's going to dunk on this one. So it's fine. Yeah. It, it was just too easy. Like, and you were right there with me, but I feel like I was kind of, you know, like driving that train or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, like I just, I was all over that people thought that Donovan Edwards was going to completely take his job. And that just was never the case. And I didn't think it was going to be the case because yes, he's small, but he's a hell of a running back. And I, I kind of foresaw what, you know, he did this year. And it kind of sucks because he got hurt, you know, the last couple of weeks, like he could have had a, a much bigger season. And, you know, if he has, 
if he has like 1,700 rushing yards or something like that by the end of the year, I think people really might take notice at that point. Not to say that they haven't taken notice, but I still hear people saying, oh, you know, Corum, it's just Michigan. It's just their offensive line. Oh, you know, he's too small, like whatever. I just don't think he quite gets the recognition he deserves. But there there was people that had completely written him off at the beginning of the season, and no one has written him off anymore. Like they might say that they, they're a little lower on him because he's small or whatever, but I'd say he's earned 99.9% of people's respect. <laughs> yes, they finally started listening to us, which is nice. But uh, we, yeah, we were, we were right all along. And I will say Donovan Edwards, who we didn't hate, we just said Blake Corum no. was better. And Donovan right. Edwards uh, looked great in relief. Uh, especially against Ohio State last week. He had, what, 200 yards. He has the two longest running plays in the Michigan and Ohio State rivalry, and he did it, like, in back-to-back runs. So, yeah, shout-out to Donovan Edwards. But, yeah, no hate on him, but Blake Corum, we were right. So we will definitely be taking that victory lap. You love to see it. And I still, I mean, to this day, I still only have Edwards like four spots behind Corum in my ranks. So, I mean, it just goes to show, like, I definitely have never hated Edwards by any means. And it's getting some used to, like, getting used to uh, the, like, Debbie and C2C stuff, like, where just these good players end up sitting behind other good players. And it just, you know, whether it's the way the coaching works or, you know, the college season works i i really don't quite get it you know but it's just one of those things where there seems to be kind of like a hierarchy and everyone just kind of follows it <laughs> it's like all right it's quorum's turn all right it's edward's turn <laughs> yeah especially some of you know michigan's a little bit more old school than some of these other programs um and they definitely do you know favors seniority a little bit uh, it's more not so much of like a meritocracy um but Corum deserved it. Like it, this wasn't a thing of like, oh, give the senior or the junior the totes over the sophomore. He was just a better running back. Yeah, I think if if Edwards was that much better than him, he wouldn't have held him off or anything like that. You know, it, right. he, he would have just taken over the job, and that wasn't the case. Which is you know another reason why I really love Corum. I, I do think he's going to be great, and I just truly don't care that he's five eight. <laughs> I, I really don't. Nope. All right. So what was uh? What was a player that ended up being good that you were just completely out on? I don't think I know there, there's one that we were both completely yeah. wrong on that I don't think, I think I don't think we can both say. <laughs> uh, well, we might both have to because it's it's pretty glaring, but it's it's Rocket Sanders, um, yeah. and we've hit on it multiple times. I've personally mentioned it on the Debbie recap a few times. I faded him bad this year. I thought KJ Jefferson was going to lead the team in rushing. I thought Dominique Johnson was a better peer runner on the team. I thought the offense would be terrible without Traylon Burks, <laughs> but Sanders rose above all that, put up a monster season. Uh, and then as we saw from my Debbie recap a couple of years ago, he's my 2024 RB1 now at this point in time. So uh, unfortunately, since I faded him to no end, I don't have any shares of him and probably won't until 2024 since the price of his Debbie shares has just gotten out of hand at this point. Um but he's going to finish the season with over 1,500 yards rushing, 10 touchdowns. He forces a missed tackle on nearly 30% of his carries. Breakaway yards per attempt is over three, which is really good. Uh, yards per team play is almost two. He's hitting all of my metrics, and he has the size and athleticism to boot. So 
Yeah, I uh, dropped the ball there with Rocket Sanders, but I'm willing to admit when I was wrong, and I was wrong here. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. I, I was definitely wrong, and and he does. He's moved into that elite territory for me. Uh, so, and I'm I'm once again, we've learned we're not just sticking to our priors or anything like that. Um, but just to throw someone else out there, I, I I'll give you some props here. You were all about Izzy Abanaconda at the beginning of the year, and I I told you right then and there I had him as like my RB seventy or something like that. It was somewhere in like the sixty or seventy range, and. Uh, He's my RB24 as of right now. So, you know, like not elite by any means or or anything like that, but uh, definitely much better than I gave him credit for. Uh, He's had some huge games. He's also had some lackluster games, but I think he's proven that he can at least be a like quality backup at the very least. And and if not more than that, and, you know, obviously if I was giving him RB 60 to 70, you know, that's not even giving him uh, recognition for that. So I I definitely admit that I was wrong. Honestly, I was trying to look through like some wide receivers and stuff like that. I don't really feel like I, that I, I, talked crap about any like players that ended up being amazing, like Quentin Johnston, but like we, we've seen him be hit or miss. We've seen him, you know, like uh, miss games and, and, you know, start the season off so weird. And I never said he was going to be bad. I just said that he wasn't going to be this top three wide receiver that everyone you know had him ranked as. And I still feel that way. So I, I, don't, I don't, I mean, maybe you'll tell me differently, but I don't feel like I was wrong on that one. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, he's such an anomaly, man. Like he could go for 200 one day and then completely disappear the next week. So this is a really tough evaluation, but yeah, for me, like I'd rather have Jordan Addison, probably JSN, just because that junior season is unreal, or that sophomore season, I should say, even though he's been hurt. And, you know, after that, I could probably, you know, be convinced into taking Josh Downs over Quentin Johnston, too. So, yeah, I don't know if he's in my top three either, but, you know, he's just one of those rare athletic specimens that you just have to, like, take a shot on at some point too. just, you know, <laughs> right. shot that he might be Kelvin Johnson, you know? Yeah. I don't know if he has like, I mean, I, I don't really, I wasn't paying attention to Calvin Johnson's route running and stuff like that in the beginning of his career or in his college career. Um, you know, so I, I can't compare the two players, but I've heard a lot about, you know, from the film grinders, you know, Quentin Johnson doesn't really actually run routes. He just runs goes, you know, and like that's that's all fine and dandy in college. That's not going to really work out 99 percent of the time in, in the NFL. So, like, I get he's a freak of nature and and, you know, he's the size you want, and the speed you want and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know if he's actually a wide receiver. Yeah. And that's kind of the problem with a lot of these big 12 wide receivers once they get to the NFL it's like they're used to playing in these air raid, just run and shoot offenses. And then, you know, Denzel Mims shows up to the NFL and can't see the field. So I don't, I'm not saying that's going to happen with Quentin Johnston, but, you know, it happened right. with Jalen Rager, who is also, you know, a Big 12 wide receiver. It's happened. It happens a lot with Big 12 wide receivers. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's in the water over there, but they really just don't seem to catch on in the NFL. When you're when you're just getting the big play over and over again, you don't truly have to learn how to be a wide receiver, you know. And that and then when you go to the NFL, you're like, wait, this isn't working for some reason. <laughs> right. Oh, wait, these cornerbacks are a lot faster than the guys I was playing against. So. <laughs> yeah. And bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
All right, so why don't we wrap it up with uh, our big hits? Like these are the ones that you know everyone was down on. They they hated them, and we were. I'm sorry, no, these are the ones that we were we were lower on, and they. Uh, yeah, so uh, sorry, I screwed that one up. No, nope, <laughs> these you are the got ones it. that we were lower on, and everyone else was high on, and we were right the whole damn time. So I feel like there's about 50 quarterbacks that I could say right now, um, but for me, I'll just say it was Jackson Dart. Uh, I talked a lot this offseason about volatility of the QB position in Devi specifically. Uh, I, I identified a few players that I thought would fall victim to that QB value cliff. Tyler Buckner, who you mentioned earlier, I said that he, he, he's a potential candidate to get wrecked and he did. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. I thought he was going to, you know, potentially lose a lot of value. I think he has, which He's been all right towards the back end, but he's obviously been dealing with injuries and stuff too. Yeah. Um, but I was, like I said, I was right on Tyler Buckner for sure. But uh, my biggest fade was Jackson Dart because he was going the earliest and he had done nothing to warrant that high of a draft pick. Uh, I think he had an ADP in the second round and he really hasn't improved at all since what we saw at USC. His QBR. It's respectable, 73.5 yards per attempt, hovering right around eight. Again, just all right. 18 touchdowns to eight picks, which is, again, whatever. Uh, 550 yards rushing, <laughs> very cool, but just does not really get me going at all and doesn't you know, put him anywhere near a pro-level prospect. This is the same offense last year where we saw Matt Corral dominate for two seasons. Uh he hasn't dart just hasn't really lived up to the hype. I'm happy to report that I don't have any shares of him at this time. And I probably never will. Um, but yeah, that was a easy fade for a guy that was going in the second round. I was like, there's just no way like Jackson dart. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And we could probably you know go over like every QB from last year and, and, and do victory laps on him because I really wasn't in on hardly any of them. Um, but dart, really st- sticks out like i i never understood it like he put up terrible numbers in the pack 12 and then people are like no he's going to transfer to the sec and he's going to get better it's <laughs> like wait what <laughs> I, I just never it never made any sense so i i'm right there with you on that one too it yeah that's uh that was an easy because there was a lot of people that were still all about him and i think you know after it's so much easier to say like a guy like uh drew lar or like a, a devin brown or like these these high uh star guys that haven't seen the field or haven't seen the field very much like it's pretty easy to just be like all right i'm holding on to my priors with them but when you actually see a guy go out and just look terrible how can you sit there and be like oh yeah like he's having to transfer out because he's not good you know and, and just to hold on to hope and, and draft him early i'm not saying you can't keep him on your roster draft them late, do all that kind of stuff. But to draft them early in the second round of, of uh, Debbie and, and C2C drafts, like that's just wild. I don't get that at all. <laughs> yep. Like I said, happy to report I did not do that at all. I mean, I don't have the ADP in front of me right now. I'm pretty sure I was getting guys like Will Shipley around that time, which, you know, better than Jackson Dart, I'd say. But <laughs> <laughs> so – Good, good, good on us to fade uh, the quarterbacks there for sure. Definitely. Did you, did you have anyone else that you were a big fade? For yeah, you I mean, this obviously, year? obviously, tank mostly Bigsby. quarterback. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, mostly. But 
I like we've talked about him so much and, and people still love him. So I don't even know if I can truly victory lap yet. You know, <laughs> like there's still people talking about him being a top five running back in the class and all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't feel like I can truly, but I was all over. I could bring up like DMS with, um, with Kevin Coleman uh, at Du Bois from uh, the Debbie, uh, Debbie Royale in the off season talking about Kindle Milton is not it. I was always out on Kindle Milton. I never understood. It's the same thing I was just talking about with Jackson Dart. Like I get it's RBU and, and you know, they, they don't, you know, like they don't force guys onto the field and they don't run with the full workhorse and all that kind of stuff. But Kendall Milton hardly even saw the field. And when he did, he was terrible. So I never understood why people were all about him. And once again, putting him in like the top five of the class, um, it just never made sense. And he's a complete afterthought. Like we can, I might not be able to say that about tank just yet, but like Milton is an actual afterthought in this class. He's not going to be drafted. He, he's, I'm assuming he's going to transfer or do something. I have no, no idea what he's going to do. Yeah. I don't know either. I mean, he might as well just stay, I think, but um, yeah, Tank Bigsby, he really, uh, he put a, a better second half to the season than a first half. That's, I'll just say that, but, uh, I, I'm still not in on him at all. Really. I mean, I have a few shares of him, but I'm definitely not, you know, trying to acquire him. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the whole thing. And like you said, he he finished with a decent year, but that's what he had last year. He had a decent year, and I, and you know maybe it ends up being like hyperbolic, but you know everyone people like hype him so much that it just makes me want to be like, all right, well, I'm never going to end up with them, so I might as well just hate him because somebody's always going to take him before me. Because I mean, there's people talking about him being a like I, I just listened to a, uh, a a Debbie podcast, and I won't call name name I won't name names or anything like that, but like I listened to a Debbie podcast do a rookie mock recently. And Tank Bigsby was in the first round of, you know, of a 2023 rookie mock super flex tight end premium, all that kind of stuff. Tank Bigsby first round pick. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's brutal. <laughs> that's like, that's just, it feels lazy to me. Like you just haven't watched anything this year because there's so many guys that have stepped up. So and I think that's the problem. It's not even necessarily, like I said, he, he basically did what he did last year. So it's not like he's even dropped off or done anything like that. He's just, these other guys are just completely skyrocketing and jumping like so far ahead of him. And people are like, nope, tanking the first. <laughs> hey, more power to him. It kind of blows my mind. <laughs> but uh, so th- that was some uh, good reminiscing there with, uh, you know, some hits and misses that we had. Uh, I'm glad that I was able to find some misses. You know, I, I didn't want uh, yeah, Andy you to really had to here. Yeah, John had to go deep, dug deep. We'll just say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even 100% sure that I didn't do it intentionally at the time so that I could have something to talk about now, you know. Oh, well, thank you. That's nice. And very <laughs> I mean, just, just for you, buddy. That's what I do. That's what I do. <laughs> All right. Why don't we take a quick little break here, and then we will get back and we'll talk about the championship week, uh, college football playoff uh, run-ups and all that kind of stuff. I'm taking Chris Olave at 102. Um, he's he's an alpha receiver. I think that he's shown that. I think he's done everything he could possibly do. He's doing it with less than amazing quarterback play, to be honest with you. he I thought maybe he would be the outside guy. I thought maybe he would be just a deep guy. No, nah, he's a do-everything guy. He is a, He's red zone. He is what he is, which is elite. 
He's run 336 routes. He has the best PFF receiving grade. He's averaging 14.2 points per game, highest in this rookie class. Uh, just down the, just down across the board, elite player, and not just for a rookie, as just a general wide receiver. I missed the beginning of that one. Who are they talking about? Chris Olave. I got to really listen to this episode now. They took him at 102. Yeah, it's a very wild episode to say at least going from the uh, conversation they had about why were people wrong about Chris Olave to then taking him at the 102. It's like, oh, maybe he's <laughs> just good at football, guys. Maybe, maybe we should look at that first. Yeah, well, that, that's the whole thing. Like they then they they went on to talk about how you know like they're not changing their process and they they'd probably still miss on Alave and I'm like wait something's not right here guys, uh, but it's definitely a good pod to, to check it out. But we are here on uh, episode 185 of the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast Network, and we are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. And I want you guys to go check out their Pickums contest. They talk about it a lot on uh, the, the the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast where uh, you know, they, they actually do their full uh, underdog fantasy pick-ems contest. They go through all their picks and basically just, you know, all you have to do, pick your overs and unders on the, you know, for the players, if you think they're gonna have more yards, score more touchdowns, whatever it might be, uh, do all that. And you, you can win some money, have some fun while you're pl- uh, playing and watching football, all that kind of stuff. But even better than that, you can get a free $100 deposit match by using the promo code full tilt at underdogfantasy.com that is promo code full tilt at underdogfantasy.com so check that out do some pickums let us know uh if you want some big money and uh, we, we will definitely be talking to you about that again but for now let's go ahead and get into this championship week and we're gonna do what we've uh basically done every week so far this year we're gonna pick one power five conference game against the spread and then we're gonna pick one player to highlight for championship week I'll go ahead and let Andy start off right here. All right, so I'm going to pick the only championship game that really doesn't have any implications, and that is UNC uh, versus Clemson for the ACC championship. Uh, UNC is seven-and-a-half-point underdog, um, kind of backing into this championship game after back-to-back losses against Georgia Tech and NC State. And your boy, Drake May, uh, has been part of the problem, honestly. Only five-and-a-half yards per attempt during that stretch. With a touchdown, it's been two, weird. I know two picks. Josh Downs has been hurt, but it, it, it has been it hasn't been rough looking though. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not taking a crap on Drake May because this is a guy who's getting Heisman buzz and was possibly the front runner just two weeks ago. I know Clemson's defense is great and UNC's is horrible, but I think May and Downs, assuming he's healthy, get back on track and keep this thing at least within a touchdown. Um, I think even UNC's god-awful defense can keep the Clemson offense in check. So uh, it's either going to be a shootout or like some weird low-scoring game. Uh, but in both of those scenarios, I'll take points with UNC, seven and a half. I love it. It has been a rough go-around, but I'm hoping that Josh Downs gets a little healthier. And I don't know. It's been kind of almost like a night and day thing with uh, – UNC's offense and Drake May, uh, it's been really weird because he was, I, I think at this point, if he had continued the last two weeks, what he was doing before that, 
he would easily be the Heisman front runner, like because everyone's kind of fallen off. You know, Ohio State lost. CJ Stroud didn't look amazing. Uh, Caleb Williams has looked, you know, good all year. I don't know if he's ever looked perfect or amazing or anything like that to where everyone's going to say, oh, he's the best football player in college football or anything like that. Drake May has definitely looked like that, you know, during the season, just not the last couple of weeks. So I feel like those hopes have died <laughs> recently, but I don't know, maybe he can blow up this week and and win the championship and, and get right back into it. Yeah, I mean, that's you bring up a good point because Bryce Young hasn't been – as phenomenal as he was last year, Corum obviously got injured and kind of missed his Heisman yeah, I, moment. I was going to say Corum, it, it probably would have been Corum and yeah. then he gets hurt, you know, I'm like, damn it. <laughs> if he would have had a big game against Ohio state, it would have been his award, but it's too bad. Unfortunately he was hurt, but yeah. Um, I think he get back on track. Like I'm not, I think Drake May's good enough to where he can put points up against, and this team just lost to South Carolina. And I know, <laughs> Lucas isn't a fan of South Carolina right now, unfortunately, but they're not a great team. So I think if Clemson can lose to South Carolina, uh, they can also lose to UNC pretty easily. I'm going to be eating more chicken wings than ever before just to get back at South Carolina a little bit more. Um, (laughs) And I think the right answer for the Heisman conversation was Hinton Hooker. It hurts even more seeing how CJ Stroud struggled against Michigan. I think if Hendon Hooker would have finished strong at the end of the season, he would have had a legitimate shot. Uh, He's definitely in the mix. Caleb Williams, uh, who has had a really good year. I don't look at him as having like one of the elite seasons. I mean, you can only have so many Joe Burrow seasons in the history of college football. I mean, (laughs) you think about like the elite of the elite Heisman years, but it it does hurt a little bit more too uh, to see how the season ended and go, dang. Eden Hooker has shot. I definitely believe that he was in the mix for sure. That injury was terrible. I I hate it because I feel like not only do I hate it for Lucas, not only do I hate it for Tennessee fans and everything that you know was going with that team, but I hate it for the NFL draft because it was just another QB that I felt it was going to be viable. And now I I think he's going to be like a fifth round pick, six six round pick, something like that. And uh, that's not going to lead to quality uh, time. You can't expect time for you know a player like that, just like we saw with Sam Howell this year. Uh, as much as it sucks, you, you can love the player, but when they get that kind of draft capital, not to say they can't get on the field, which makes it a lot more difficult. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk about it uh, last week after it happened, unfortunately, but it was, it was horrible. I mean, it, it's bad for Hendon Hooker, I think, more than anything, because like you said, it's – it's his draft capital that's going to get hurt. Like who's to say he even gets drafted because he's probably not going to be able to play next year. Like if a team drafts him, they're just going to be paying him to sit on their, you know, IR for a season. So um, it stinks, Uh, but it is what it is, I guess, you know, it's the nature of the game, unfortunately, but uh, hope for the best for him. I I don't know. Can he come back? Maybe (laughs) with the COVID years, be like a 26 (laughs) year. He was already a I don't know, yeah. senior, so <laughs> yeah. no, he unfortunately cannot come Not back. Not that he, he couldn't even play next year anyhow, I guess, because he's got the ACL tear, but. Exactly. Yeah, too bad. Yeah, that's rough. All right, so for mine, I honestly did not dig too, too deep. I know it's a shock, uh, but I, I feel like Michigan basically played their Super Bowl last week and, you know, went all in to beat Ohio State, and now they're playing against uh, Purdue. 
I feel like Purdue has had a better defense than maybe they're giving being given credit here uh, for here with the 16 and a half line. <laughs> I'm like, I just think that maybe Michigan's going to be a little tired, a little worn out, whatever from, from that game last week. And I just don't know that it's going to be that big of a, of a deficit. I'm definitely not calling for Michigan to lose this game by any means. I just don't know if it's going to be, you know, over more than, than two touchdowns worth of, you know, of a difference there. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Aiden O'Connell and that offense, Payne Durham, Chuck Sizzle, Charlie Jones. Um, yeah, they can put up points on anybody. So I know Michigan's defense is really good, but, uh, you know, uh, their coach, Brom, is an offensive quote unquote guru, I would say. So he's going to be passing the ball a ton. And then they've got Devin Mockaby, who I talked about previously. Uh, he's a decent enough running back. So I think they can keep Michigan's going to win. I don't think anyone's going to. Okay say anything about that but um yeah keeping it close why not yeah and honestly like that was the best that like jj mccarthy has looked all season for the most part um you know quorum is still not healthy edwards looked amazing last week but you know i'm not to say that he won't look good again uh but i just i don't i feel like they're not at 100 percent health and like cornelius johnson came out of nowhere i was actually all in not all in but i i really liked cornelius johnson going into the season um I definitely not should not have said all in because I think I drafted him <laughs> yeah. like the 15th round or something like that in my CDC league. But I, I liked him. I felt like he had a shot to be the number one in that offense. The number one in that offense hasn't mean meant anything until this past year, this past week where he had like 160 yards receiving. So I just don't know if they're going to replicate that game. And so that's why I'm I'm wondering, you know, if it'll be a little bit closer than maybe what Vegas has given him here. We got some breaking news via Lucas. Apparently, uh, the uh, college football playoff is officially set to expand to 12 teams in 2024. So that's – is that next year? Am I – or is that the 2024 season? Two years. Two? two years. Okay, so two seasons from now. That's – they kind of had already, like, teased that that was probably going to happen, didn't they? Or was yeah, it I think be so. Later? But, I mean, technically it was – Or was it only going to be eight? Had- yeah, I think technically, you know, it was going to be like 2026 was when the original agreement was supposed to go into place or go into oh, okay. effect. So that's good. and then yeah, so now I guess they went ahead and said, "Screw it, let's just go ahead and take care," because they're probably sick of of hearing it from people. And I, I get it. Like I, you know, the, these teams are like you said. I mean, there, there's so much going on with these teams where you know some teams are playing, some teams aren't. We already discussed it, but it's just like yeah, just get it to 12. I think it's going to make things so much better. And people are always going to bitch, but I feel like there's so much less to worry about when there's 12. Yeah. I mean, we could, we'll, we'll have to talk about it in another episode, but once it gets there, they need to have like some rules set up of like how teams get in, but a topic for another day. That's for sure. Um, what do you want to, I'm going to talk about who I'm going to watch this weekend here. Yeah, go so, ahead. So um, the USC game, which obviously has, uh, big implications for the college football playoff. They're taking on Utah, who is their only loss this season. Granted, they played at Utah. Um, so I'm going to talk – if you look back at that game, Utah's tight end, who I'm going to talk about, Dalton Kincaid, had 16 catches uh, for 234 yards. Uh, he leads the Utes in receiving despite missing one game. 
Uh, Michael Mayer will rightfully be the tight end one in this draft season. But Kincaid right now is my tight end two above Sam Laporta. And I wouldn't be surprised if Kincaid has a more immediate impact in the NFL. He's currently a super senior, and we know that the tight end position can take a couple of years to develop in the NFL. No idea how he'll test athletically, so that's obviously one of the bigger deals for tight end evaluation. So my tight end rankings are really not to be taken seriously at this point. Uh, There's always a chance that he's Jalen Weidermeyer and he can't even run or jump. But um, back to the game this weekend, I think Kincaid was obviously a problem for USC, so I want to see if he can do that again and if he's going to, you know, force Utah to, you know, or get Utah to beat USC and potentially get them out of the playoff. Um, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sorry to get into tight end evaluations. I know that's really boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, we're getting, we're getting close enough to where, you know, it's, it's time to start talking about those kind of things because there's definitely going to be tight ends. I just, I don't know. I feel like tight end so much of it comes down to the combine. Whereas with other positions, you know, you might even say the combine doesn't matter, but I feel like, you know, it, it athleticism really does seem to, to matter for the tight end position. And like you said, I mean, Jalen Weidemeyer was a pretty productive, you know, tight end in, in college and then went and ran a 5 40 time. It was just like, it's like a 12 inch vertical. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah what I, were you doing? <laughs> I, I have no <laughs> I idea. I, I ran, <laughs> I was playing, uh, I was playing arena football uh, for, for two years and I, I hadn't played football in like, you know, like professional football for like, well, I, I hadn't played like uh, team football, I should say, for probably four or five years. And I was not in my best shape. And I went and ran a like four, seven, eight, uh, 40 time. And so for, for him, for him to run a, a, a five Oh, or it might've even been over five. I don't remember, but I know it was. it was right around five. It just, it, oh man, I, that just blows my mind. <laughs> He didn't get drafted. Yeah, and you're absolutely right about the combine uh, being a big deal for tight ends because nobody knew who Jelani Woods was last year until he just became an athletic freak at the combine. And now, of course, he you know he's putting up stats in the NFL too. He had like what eight catches last week. So yeah, combine I mean, matters. For I don't tight know ends. if I I don't know if I believe that he's like a stud or anything, but he definitely no. he had a, a blow up week. So I mean, you can't take anything away from him. You know, it's like. Uh, how I feel with uh, JT Sanders. Like I, I saw the same thing, like a big athletic freak The he was getting hyped in the spring games and stuff. So I'm like, he's getting hyped by his coaches. He's athletic as hell. He's tall. He's big. He's all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so that's why I fell in love with him. And it's, it's worked out you know, for the most part. He is, he's been kind of hit or miss lately, but uh, he's definitely had some big games and he's probably, you know, one of the, t- at least one of the top, what, three tight ends in the class, <laughs> something like that for next year. Yeah, I mean, Bowers and him, really. Uh, people will probably yeah. hang on to Michael Trigg for a while, too. But, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Guys, I know he Trigg was getting a lot of hype, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, he got <laughs> I don't know at this point. Yeah, yeah. that sucks. So the player I'm going to talk about, uh, or I want to watch this weekend, is a player that I, I think I've said I was going to watch before, but I want to watch him again. And it's because I feel like I might need to move this player up even more uh, I've been all over Kendra Miller for the longest time now. Uh, I drafted him at like what the late first, early second, I think it was in our rookie mock uh, that we did, you know, like a month or so ago. 
And, you know, I, all I said was, you know, like, I know a lot of people are saying he's not going to go, he's not going to, you know, go into the declare for the NFL draft. Uh, now it seems like everyone believes like he's going to declare and he, he he's coming and, and everyone seems to be falling in love with them. Well, I can't be lower than other people at this point uh, on Kendra Miller. And I'm not saying I am. I'm just saying like, I, I need to keep that fire uh, lit. So <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and watch me some Kendra Miller this weekend because uh, I mean, dude, just blowing up each week. Like, he seems to be getting better each and every week. You know, obviously the TCU uh, you know game has a lot on the line, so it should be a fun game to watch anyway. But I think you know, on top of that, I just want to see Kendra keep doing what he's doing, and then end up being that top five running back that you know that I called, you know, what a couple months ago, or, or you know, I, I was always a big fan of him. I, I didn't have him in my top five at the beginning of the season, but it really did not take long for him to jump up in there. Yeah, he's been incredible this year. I think he's. I don't, I don't know if he kept the touchdown streak alive last week, but he's had a touchdown in like every game this season, and he's over 1,000 yards already. So I love Kendry Miller, um, especially, you know, once Zach Evans transferred out of there, it was like his backfield, and he was actually better than Zach Evans last year So and when they were on the same team. So if you're going to yeah. draft Zach Evans as your RB3, then why not? Of course you're going to – Kendry Miller, RB5, would make perfect sense. <laughs> You're getting getting way better value there. Yeah, I guess we just have to wait and see what the NFL is going to think. But uh, the way he's been playing, like you said, consistency each week, touchdowns, yardage, like all that kind of stuff. Like I'm really starting to to fall in love with Kendra Miller more and more. Uh, And and I think it has to do with my my co-host on the Debbie Devotional, Aaron Wilcox. He has him in our CC league. And, you know, he knows how much I love him and how much I talk about him and everything. So every time he does anything, uh, he blows up. And also shout out to Aaron. I told you, you know, I've, I've discussed how great I've uh, I've been doing all season long in C2C. I dominated the regular season. I complete, My team completely fell apart in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, just every single player got hurt. Jameer Gibbs, Blake Corum. Uh, uh, I traded for... Uh, uh, who's the short guy? I can't think of his name right now. Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn. I traded for Deuce Vaughn, you know, getting 20, 30 points a week. He got me nine points last week. <laughs> just oh, like nothing, no. nothing worked out. I, uh, so I ended up not doing too well in the playoffs, but, um, Aaron won, uh, my league, the, the league that I was dominating all year. He won that league and he also won his other CDC league. So <laughs> he, he had a great CDC year. Uh, but you know, part of that was to do with Kendra Miller. So th- I, that's another reason why I love him so much because he he kind of has fallen in love with them because of being on the C to C team and how much I hype hype him and up and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah, and as long as we're flexing our C two C victories, uh, I will say yeah. that I took down Conference Three in the program, which is a real in depth recruiting C two C league, and came in second place in the national championship. Unfortunately. Uh, it's a 48 team yeah, league, so two out of 48, not bad. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, that's very good. It. So it's, it sounds like I've surrounded myself with some very quality co-hosts uh, here, and, uh, and and you know maybe they need to be looking for for a new one themselves. But <laughs> uh, thank you no. so much for listening, guys. This was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we we did some hits and misses and and all that kind of good stuff. We're looking forward to champ- championship week. 
and uh, everything that's going to happen shortly after that and the chaos that's going to happen if any of these teams lose and Alabama gets into the playoffs (laughs) and the chaos that that will ensue after that. Uh, But thank you so much for listening. Lucas, do we have anything else that we need to talk about before we get out of here? Nope. Uh, I guess I can't say false by 50, at least until the bowl game's announced. Uh, so that, that's about it. Uh, definitely stay tuned for the content that we're going to be putting out throughout bowl season and then to get you ready for the 2023 NFL draft. You all have been hearing Wait. about the players all season long if you're tuning in to the pod. And now we get to dive in even more with draft season coming up. So I'm really excited to see what's coming down the pipe from you all and man it's been a lot of fun i can't believe we're actually all the way through college football season that's kind of nuts it is it flew right by wild yeah uh but hey it's been absolute blast guys uh do you all have any final thoughts especially on season just overall if you could describe the season in one word what word would you use i'd say different like it just it seemed like the you know nothing nothing really was quite the same as last year or our expectations as far as like the actual teams themselves, except for maybe Georgia, you know, just dominated the whole time. But I don't think that people ever really thought that, that Georgia was going to truly dominate. Like they, they kind of thought that they lucked into a championship last year because, you know, Jameson Williams got hurt. John Mechie got hurt, like all that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, now they're just the, the clear cut favorites to win. So I would say this is just a different year. I mean, look at the teams that are in it. You know, it's, it's not, it's not Bama. It's not Ohio state. It's, you know, it's TCU and Michigan and all these other teams. Yeah, I would, I would say it, it, it's weird because it's in some instances it is, I was going to say surprising because, you know, you've got Lincoln Riley who's taking USC from wherever they were at um, to all of a sudden being in the playoff you know, potentially or probably, but at the same time, it's like not surprising because Georgia is there again, Michigan is there again. Um, and it's kind of, I granted a lot of people thought Michigan was going to take a step back this year, but they obviously did not. Um, so I, you know, it's, it's been fun. It's like every college football season. It's just a ton of fun. Fun is my word. Nice. And <laughs> there we I mean, go. one hot take on a coach who will be fired before the end of the year. End of bowl season. I'll give it that. Ooh, I got one. It's hot. Jimbo Fisher. Ooh. Texas A&M. Okay. He deserves it than anybody, but the 80, 70 million or whatever they have to pay to fire him, I don't know if they'll fork it up, but they should. And I think if those donors really, <laughs> really care about their program, they need to get rid of that guy because they're just purging players right now in the transfer portal. Yeah, actually, honestly, that was the first one that popped into my head. I'm not like... I'm not big into like actual college football. I don't even know half of these coaches or anything like that. So it's hard for me, but I know, you know, I've heard a lot about Jimbo, you know, like, and I know that he has not been doing great things at Texas A&M. And, you know, it's just been about the money. I don't know if they have, if he has the same kind of contract where like, if he goes and gets another job that, you know, that takes away from, you know, the penalties and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know how all that works, but uh, he would definitely be the one to get rid of. It seems yeah. Awesome. Hey, it was a lot of fun. Uh, sign us out, guys. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for listening once again. Check out everything that's going on. A full week of content every week at the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast Network, brought to you by Fantasy Points Media Group and presented by Underdog Fantasy. We will see you guys next week. But for now, we're going to go ahead and cash out.